0: publichealth.indiana.edu. From the Milton Metz studio in the Radio TV building at Indiana University, welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host WFIU-WTIU News Bureau Chief, Sarah Whitmire. And we're examining the future of Indiana's uh, political parties in a two-week series on Noon Edition. Last week, we had leaders from the state's Republican Party. And this week, Democratic leaders are going to weigh in on the state of their party and the results of the state's primary elections held last year. And we'll look ahead to the midterm elections. Um, we're going to have three guests who are here in the studio. One is, Tim, uh, one is Terry Gooden, Representative Terry Gooden, a Democrat who is from Austin, Indiana, and John Zody, the chairman of the Indiana Democratic Party, and John lives here in Bloomington. Also joining us by phone is State Senator Tim Lannon, a Democrat from Anderson, Indiana. You can follow us on the program by calling us at 812-855-0811 or toll free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at org. And if you want to see how we do this show, you can go to Facebook Live. We're on Facebook Live today. So I wanted to ask uh, John Zodi first. So, uh, John, Chairman Zodi, how how what is the state of the Democratic
1: Party?
2: Well, the state is good, and thanks for having us on, uh, Bob and Sarah. It's good to be here. Uh, good to be in Bloomington for the afternoon. It's good. You know, you have to um, measure things in politics and in campaigns. And so, uh, after the twenty sixteen election, certainly was a, a disappointment to say the least. And so, we knew that um, we needed to. Uh, Retool a little bit and see what we needed to do better. And while that was going on, uh, hundreds and thousands of, of people were getting involved in the process. Uh, some of them knew. And so people were registering voters, going to rallies, uh, signing up to volunteer. And so we started putting in place um, more opportunities for people to get involved. It's up to us as the state Democratic Party to get people involved in our political process so that they can then help our candidates who then can get in office and do things that, that reflect our values in the Democratic Party. That's why we do what we do. Um, and so. <clears throat> As we start tracking those numbers, how many new volunteers do we have signed up? How many more people are we training? Uh, how many more voters have been registered? As our, how many more people are following us, following us on social media? Those numbers have been going up steadily each month since uh, the beginning of 2017, and so we're good. Uh, and, and, it, uh, and it's... It's indicated by the measurements, right? So I can tell you it's good, and that's great, and I'm the chair. I'm supposed to be the biggest cheerleader, but the measurements and the numbers show an increase in activity. And now we are uh, seeing more people running for office than ever before, from the township level all the way up to Joe Donnelly, uh, our United States senator, our legislative candidates, and the leaders. I'm glad they're on today to to talk about their candidates. We've got more first-time Millennial and female candidates running than we have in recent memory for office here in Indiana at different levels up and down the ballot. And so it's exciting uh, to be a part of this. Um, it's also um uh, I don't know what the, how to characterize the word for this is an interesting and necessary time to be involved in the political process, not just here in Indiana, but also in the country. And so I think that doesn't get to um, – a lot of people would say, yes, absolutely. But you just see something every day that says, this is why I'm doing this. These are the issues that are important to us. This is why I'm going to get up and do it tomorrow. Okay.
0: Well, I want to ask uh, Representative Gooden and, and Senator Lannon to weigh in on this. And and I think just for context, um, there are super majorities in both the, the House and the Senate. So, Rep- Representative Gooden, um, how many Democrats are there in in the House? And then, you know, how you've been in the House for quite a while. How many years? This is my eighteenth year. Eighteenth year in the House. Yes. So, so if you could sort of, um, you know, as you gauge the state of the Democratic
3: Party, I mean, how are things different from in previous times? Well, Bob and Sarah, thanks uh, for having me here. First off, and I want to say it's glad to be. I'm glad to be back in Bloomington. Uh, uh, grad school, and then also uh, an employee out of South High School, and give a big shout out to the Panthers. And uh, as we move forward, so uh, you know, I'm going to agree with John. The uh, state of the Democrat Party in Indiana right now is is not just necessarily good; it's great. Enthusiasm is out out of the roof. We have 90 candidates across the state of Indiana this year in in state house and legislative seats, and a large group of those candidates, as John pointed out, uh, are millennials. And uh, more importantly, a lot of those folks are women and uh, people of color so uh, that's what's exciting about it people are getting excited about the process they're getting excited about the what the democrat party stands for and about who they fight for and more people are ready to take up the mantle and start the fight All right. Well, expand on that a little bit. Who do you stand for? Well, you know, actually, uh, the Democrat Party stands for everyone in the state of Indiana, and we want everybody to have an equal and fair chance. And that's what we stand for is we want everyone to have the equal opportunity, an equal opportunity to be able to succeed and live the best life that they can live. You know, as I travel around the state, uh, there's a lot of folks that I talk to, and people just tell me, say, hey, we just want a fair chance to have a great job and to be able to raise our families in an environment in in a state that our kids can have a better opportunity and a better life than what we have right now. and So that's what the Democrat Party stands for, is all those people and all Hoosiers across the state of Indiana, and a fair and equal chance. And we also stand for a strong educational system. We all know that the uh, education system in Indiana is the largest rung on the socioeconomic ladder, and that's how people can climb out. And uh, we're going to make sure that the the education system, K through 12, and then higher as well, is the best. Not just in the nation; it needs to be the best in the world. As you know, we're in a global economy, so we're going to make sure and fight for those for those uh, very particular uh, important issues in Indiana. Mm-hmm.
0: Senator Lannon, you've had a, a, the last few years you've had an uphill battle in the in the state Senate. I think, if uh, my numbers are right, I think there are nine Democrats right. in the Senate out of fifty. Um, so, uh, again, from your perspective, and you're a longtime senator and you've been in leadership up there, how? How do you think the party is is looking now, and how do you you know how do you fight this uphill battle in, in Indiana?
1: Well, it, I think it's a combination of a couple things. One, it starts with uh, having good candidates, and uh, as I think you've heard from the other two speakers, we've had really a banner a year in terms of recruitment of uh, candidates. A lot of that is due to, I think, the energy that, that that's been referred to as well. You know, the 2016 election was a curse because, in a way, because unfortunately, you know, with the election of uh, Donald Trump and uh, some of the coattails that he had in Indiana, but it also re-energized a lot of folks, people who have not been engaged before, are getting engaged. And just like uh, Leader Gooden talked about there, we too have almost a record number of of candidates uh, out of the 25 senators that are up. We have 22 candidates and most of them are first-time candidates. Uh, we only have three incumbents, you know, we only have nine members. Only uh, out of the 25 seats that are up, only three are actually uh, Democratic incumbents. So we've got room to move and to increase this in this election. Uh, and it starts with having good quality candidates. We've been able to uh, to have that, and then, then it, it includes having a message, and, and I think you know, the message is uh, there's dysfunction in the Republican Party. You look at what happened this last session. They couldn't even finish the session on time. Uh, and they have supermajorities and they have every office, you know, at the house, And still yet they stepped on themselves come the last day of session and, and couldn't finish the uh, work on time and had to force the taxpayers to pay for uh, a ridiculous one-day special session cost tens of thousands of dollars and and totally unnecessary Uh, this is what happens when you have an imbalance of power and that exists at the indiana state house it's not good for uh, the functioning of the state house it's not good for democracy It's not good for the state of indiana but we have to have a message and it is and the message is we need to move forward in this state indiana has been stuck Underneath the domination of the Republican Party, uh, we can't even we can't address reforms when it comes to redistricting in the state of Indiana. No wonder we have an uphill battle. They've rigged the system. They've drawn these lines. They've gerrymandered these the lines so severely because they want to cling to this power. Well, it's time for the, uh, them to to for the people to see what's going on. And we think there's a message that can be constituted. We need to move Indiana forward. We're stuck and we need to move forward.
4: You all talked a lot about minority candidates, but when I look across the Democratic Party in Indiana, it still seems like you do see a lot of the same. Um, I'm wondering if you guys can talk about just like diversity in the current leadership and is the party changing? John?
2: I believe it is. Um, and we, you know, we've we got great elected officials here in our in our Democrats. Uh, we had um, quite a few legislators retire this year, and we'll see some some new folks come in there. But certainly the incumbents at the State House uh, do a lot of good for the state of Indiana. Uh, some of them have been there for a while. Some of them are, are newly serving, so we're certainly very proud of them. And we are seeing new candidates come out. Uh, uh, Representative Gooden mentioned uh, that uh, our candidates for statewide office, um, I think we've got uh, a very diverse ticket, uh, running for state auditor, state treasurer, and uh, and secretary of state. The um, majority of our congressional nominees in our nine districts uh, are are women. Um, two of those folks running are women of color, um, and so. And then on, on down the ballot in our, in our state legislative races and on down, you see new folks getting out and, and, and running. And we've got um, training programs and leadership development programs within the party uh, that are very diverse. And so we're seeing that bench being built, uh, and that, that bench is more diverse every year. Every, every year we, we bring in a new class of folks that we're training. They're more and more diverse, which is what we need to do to grow as a party. Mm-hmm. Did you want to add
3: as, I can add to that, sir. As a matter of fact, we, uh, as, as the uh, new leader there in the House, uh, we made it a very important point that uh, our uh, leadership reflected the state of Indiana. As a matter of fact, uh, my assistant floor leader is, is a lady, Linda Lawson, and of, uh, our caucus chairman is John Bartlett, an Afri- African American out of Indianapolis. So we want to make sure that uh, all voices are heard, and it's great to be at the table, and it's great to be able to have, have the part of the conversation, and we want to make that an important part.
1: Yeah, and, and from, of course, the Senate Democratic side, uh, four out of nine of our members are African-American. My assistant leader is uh, uh, State Senator Gene Brough, who's an African-American uh, from an Indianapolis area. But we're always looking. We uh, your, your point's well taken. We need to be diverse. Uh, diversity adds to our uh, greatness in this state. Uh, I note that on um, the opposite side of uh, the aisle, uh, there are no members of color whatsoever, I think, uh, in the House or the Senate. Isn't that right, Terry, in the House?
3: And I think uh, you're correct. Yes, sir.
1: And so, so you know, the, the Democratic Party has been historically, of course, uh, for many years now, decades now, the party which has embraced diversity will continue to do that going forward.
0: Now, you guys are here on the second week. So, you know, we had the Republicans in last week and, and um, Senator and you're talking about how Indiana is stuck. They certainly have a different viewpoint. They talked a lot about all the successes and, and they need, you know, their priorities are to, you know, keep super majorities and to... Uh, I think they, 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 one of them was to send Joe Donnelly home. We yeah. can talk about they that. They said that they control
4: every statewide right. elected yeah. office, right. and they
0: want to continue to do that. Donald. So, and, and you know, they t- they talk about you know uh, being a low tax state. They talk about uh, having you know good a good economy. So, you know, what are your counterpoints to that, Senator? And, and what? Oh
1: well, how, you know, sh- how should the state move forward? We're not going to continue to have a good economy unless we we portray ourselves as a state. Uh, which is open to everybody, welcoming to everybody to come in. Why is it Indiana remains one of only five states without any hate crime legislation on its books? Why is it that we can't get redistricting reform in the state of Indiana? Even after we had a two-year Bipartisan study and a recommendation that we go to an independent commission to draw the lines instead of the politicians drawing their own lines. Why is it we can't even have a reasonable discussion about amending our Civil Rights Act to to provide protection for every person in the state of Indiana, regardless of their sexual orientation or their gender? Uh, why, why is it that we had to, several years ago, enact the largest tax increase because the Republicans in their, in their domination had ignored our infrastructure and let our roads uh, fall apart? Why is it that uh, we don't have uh, a Department of Children's Services that adequately protects our children? Uh, they can talk all they want to about the economy, and you know, the economy is By and large, in Indiana, yes, it's doing well because of the fact that we had a Democratic president, Barack Obama, who saved the economy and brought back the economy nationally, uh, nationwide. But you know what? I know so many people in my district, and throughout the state, are living paycheck to paycheck. And they have two or three jobs that requires them to do that. Wages are still basically stagnant in the state of Indiana. Uh, we have some of the poorest health indicators in the in the nation, uh, and, and we're viewed outside of the state of Indiana as being stuck in the 1950s. With with in a lot of ways, we've got a great state and great people, but we need to move this state forward.
3: Yeah, I I agree with Tim as well. I mean, you talk about, uh, I know the other side wants to to brag about Indiana being the number one state in the Midwest for business climate, uh, uh, the top ten state in the nation for uh, business climate, Uh, but you know, how about uh, the other side of that, and the fact is that the state of Indiana is ranked 48th in the quality of life. Hoosiers. And that's where uh, the Democrat Party says there's a problem. And it, it's great to be the leader in business uh, opportunities for folks, but it's also even even greater or better to be a, a leader in business and also a leader in the quality of life. And right now, Indiana's not doing very well in the quality of life, and mm-hmm. that, that needs to improve.
0: Mm-hmm. You had your uh, convention recently. You didn't have the this probably the same Level of coverage as the Republicans, because they had a you know some they had some contention about what they were going to do. Right. Can you, John? Can you talk about your platform?
2: Yeah, sure. Well, our platform passed unanimously at our convention. It stands. You know, it's a it's a comprehensive document that talks about what we stand for. And at the front of that is a a letter uh, that we sort of summarize that document. Democrats care about a lot of things, but things we've been talking about around the state, things I think uh, you'll hear from uh, our leaders here are that everybody in the state deserves a livable wage. We need good, strong public education. We need early childhood education to be expanded in this state, to Leader Gooden's point about the importance of that. We need fairer elections by getting rid of uh, gerrymandering. We need to protect access to affordable health care. And we need every single person in this state to feel safe, secure, and treated equally under law. That to me and to a lot of folks summarizes the platform of the indiana democratic party because we've got to talk about what we are for as i said at the outset plenty of things to be against but there are a lot of things that we can agree on that we stand for and i don't know that you'll get a lot of disagreement from anyone on on those five things and those are things that that make a difference if you look at uh, you know our ranking the quality of life for instance every Every piece of those, whether it's your civic education through how we draw our districts, whether it's your health care and your wages, or your where you can, where you send your kids to school, all of those things are very impactful every single day in the life of a Hoosier. And so those are things that we summarize as, as being indicative of our values. Certainly a lot more in that platform, Bob, that, that we talked about. Um, but um, we are uh, very clear in saying that we, here's what Indiana Democrats stand for. Mm-hmm.
4: I understand that's your platform, but in Indiana, since um, the Republicans do hold the supermajority, how much of what you ultimately end up doing is is just sort of reacting or figuring out where you can get on board with a Republican idea to kind of compromise something?
2: Well, you have to do, and I think probably our legislators can take this the second half of this question, but I think, you know, you... You, you have to do both. you got to walk and chew gum at the same time when you're in the minority. Certainly, there's a lot to react to because we've got to protect people in addition to fighting for them. And so uh, just in my role in the last five years, you've seen a lot of things come down out of the majorities in the legislature that I think are harmful to Hoosiers. Um, but at the same time, we've got to be having a dual message that Trying to push things back, and and to these guys and and the ladies in the General Assembly, to their credit, they have pushed back things that uh, would be harmful to to Hoosiers, in my opinion, and we can get into that detail or let them share it. But we've also been saying, here's what we need to be doing, folks, whether it's through an amendment, whether it's through a bill being passed. These folks are fighting hard. Even though they're in the minority, we've got to be doing reaction and proaction here, and I think they do a great job of it.
4: A complicated dance, it sounds like. (laughs) It's very
2: complicated, very complicated, especially if you don't have any rhythm like John. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I'm gonna. If I can I'll, I'll add a few things to that. Is a uh, you, you said a word that's uh, very important in our caucus, and that word was reactive, and that's something that the Democrat caucus in the House has been pushing back on. Is why does Indiana always have to react? Why can't be we, we be the first in the nation for something good and, and things moving forward? And that's what we've been working on. And unfortunately, uh, what's happened with DCS, that's a reaction, and that reaction that the uh, governor has replied to and then the house republicans and the senate republicans have replied to was the outrage that was showed by the indiana house democrats and the in the indiana senate democrats of what's going on in dcs we just had another child die in the state of indiana last night uh from in a dcs care and uh, that that is it's outrageous it's despicable and we've got to make things better Finally, after a decade, the Republicans decided that, yes, we do have a problem with DCS after the Democrats have been screaming about it for years, and hopefully we can move this state forward. And in, in just the child care part of that, you know, it's very difficult in the state of Indiana right now to be a child. We have one of the highest infant mortality rates in the nation. Our DCS system is completely broken. And the state won't fund schools properly to be able to have mental health counselors in our school corporation. So it's very tough to be a child in the state of Indiana right now. We think that's wrong, and we want to make a difference and change that.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and And the other thing I would add on that, too, is that even though we are in super minorities, I guess you might say. Uh, the danger with the supermajority is that there is no exposing of these problems, or there's no exposing of an alternative view of what uh, Indiana should be doing or could be doing, and so uh, it really does put a lot of pressure on us uh, in our position to have to point that out. And I know that sometimes it makes it sound it makes it sound like we're just being, you know, negative nelly, so to speak. But but my gosh, take as, as Leader Gooden just talked about there the DCS situation. It, we absolutely had a duty to call the governor out and to call the majority party out in terms of the uh, the lack of diligence that was going on with protecting the children in the state of Indiana. And if you just have uh, you know rule by one party, constant rule by one party, I think there is a, a, a tendency to gloss over the real issues that exist because, in fact, they're the party that's in charge and they're responsible for these problems. And so we have a real duty to, I think, criticize where it's, where it's uh, due and to point out an alternative alternative view as to where Indiana might be, uh, you know, if, uh, where would we be if we actually had invested. You know, the other thing that, that I want to talk about here a little bit is the Republicans have had this view of the uh, uh, $2 billion surplus as being uh, you know, the holy grail that could never be touched well, you know, finally, the governor says we're going to free up $25 million out of $2 billion to fix DCS. Well, get ready. I have, a, I have a sense it's going to take a lot more than that to really fix what's going on in DCS. And somebody needs to speak up and say that when it comes to issues like uh, our, our, our children, uh, you know, what's, what is the uh, uh, limit? in terms of uh, a surplus that uh, you would invest to make sure that our children are protected. So I think these are the the real uh, duties of a minority.
3: And I I can point out something else as well, Uh, another way to be proactive, is in school safety. Uh, The House Democrats have pointed out that, hey, we need to put together a permanent summer study committee uh, for the legislators and those people in charge and those people... uh, um, in charge of keeping our schools safe, to be able to meet, talk about what's going on, not just in the nation, but around the world. Uh, the House uh, Republican majority uh, has decided they don't need, that we don't need to do that, that school safety is yeah. good enough in the state of Indiana. And, you know, I'm, it, it's, it's a funny situation, and we talk about this when we, we talk about how things are always just good enough and why we always, always have to react. But the reality is this, you always must be vigilant, and there's always room for improvement. You know, let's just put it in sports talk if we can. The Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl. I guarantee you, after they won the Super Bowl, they didn't sit back and say, "Okay, we're going to win it next year too," because we got the best team in the world. They were cost, They started the next day looking at how to change plans, how to how to make new plays, how to make sure that they were the best. And the state of Indiana should do the same thing when it comes to school safety. We should not rest on our laurels. And I will say this: and we've been the House Democrat Caucus has been a part of this. We are one of the, the states the, on the leading edge of school safety, but we can always do better. And we can't rest on our laurels.
0: All right. That was uh, Representative Terry Gooden, who happens to be a superintendent of school. So he's talking about school safety. Uh, You're listening to Noon Edition. We have our second week in a row where we're talking about politics in Indiana. We had the Republicans last week. This week, we're talking to the Democrats. We're going to have to take a short break. We'll be right back.
5: From the Milton Metz Studio at IU's Radio TV building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state Throughout the day at WFIUNews.org and on Twitter at WFIUNews. You can watch unfiltered video of breaking stories on Facebook Live. And you can get a digest of all the day's top stories delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of the headlines, plus the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org.
0: Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from The Herald Times, along with Sarah Whitmire from WFIU and WTIU. We are in our second week of looking at politics in the state of Indiana. We had the Republicans uh, represented last week, this week. We're talking with the leaders of the Indiana uh, Legislative Caucus for the Democrats, State Senator Tim Lannan from Anderson and State Representative Terry Gooden from Austin. And also here in the studio with us is John Zody, the chairman of the Indiana Democratic Party. If you want to give us a call to uh, participate in the show today, Call us at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. And today we're on Facebook Live. So, Sarah, you wanted to follow up on DCS. Well,
4: I just wanted to ask you, Senator Lannan, just how you think issues related to DCS might play out this session and if um, doing something about DCS is one of your legislative priorities.
1: Well, it, it, it has to be. Uh, we cannot continue to have a DCS, which is not adequately protecting our children. I said this in our last session. I didn't think we should have left uh session without knowing that there was a firm plan in place to correct the problems. Uh, now it turns out, and, and you'll give the governor credit, he was frank about this. Uh, apparently we've had four previous studies about problems with the DCS, a whole list of recommendations have been made and we've only implemented like half of them so we need to know exactly what those further recommendations are that need to occur and, and how they uh, uh, can happen in this next session so it, it will be in my opinion a issue which should be and must be front and center for sure and I know that there will be uh, legislative action that will have to be taken uh, to, to fix what is going on with DCS. It's a budget year. So obviously this has got to go right to the top of the list of our budget priorities is how do we continue? How do we make sure that we truly are protecting the children of the state of Indiana? I have a sense it relates back to also the opioid uh, crisis situation in the state of Indiana. So those are sort of uh, twin crises, I guess. Hand in hand, we'll have to deal with those.
0: What What is the, the Democratic... Um what are your ideas on the opioid crisis? What what can we do?
3: You know, really, as we talk about the opioid crisis, and one of my areas has been one of the hardest hit in the state, we have to talk about the restoring hope, and we've got to talk about mental health. Yeah. Uh, you cannot talk about fixing the opioid crisis within the same sentence not right. say or use the word mental health. In the state of Indiana, over the last decade, the mental health services have been cut drastically, right. and uh, you know there's always a cause-and-effect relationship uh, in the science world, and no one can deny or doubt that the... the uh, effect of the cause of cutting mental health programs across the state of Indiana has to be the problems that we have going on right now. And I want to relate this back to a conversation we had earlier. This is a, this this whole conversation we're talking about is also about the quality of life in Indiana. And uh, once again, they can brag about having the best business climate. When we talk about the quality of life, where Indiana is one of the leading states with opioid addicted uh, employees and opioid addicted citizens, Indiana has, as we said, uh, repeating ourselves, the uh, huge uh, infant mortality rate, which is terrible we talk about children dying in dcs when will these folks wake up and say that indiana can do better we need to move indiana forward and as tim said earlier uh leader lannon indiana is stuck and we've got to make sure that we get out of the mud and move forward
0: we're going to talk more about uh, the state because we are fortunate to have both uh, the Democratic leader, leaders of the House and Senate here with us today. But I want to turn to John Zodi and talk about you know, the big race on the ballot, the biggest race on the ballot mm-hmm. is for U.S. Senate. Uh, Joe Donnelly, when the Republicans were here last week, they said one of their main, Kyle Hupfer said one of his main goals was to send Joe Donnelly home. Uh, they had the republicans had a very raucous primary season so how how is the race looking to you heading into to this uh, this midterm
2: well i guess i'll start by saying uh that uh, if we're talking about sending people home they might want to send mike braun back home from dc because he seems to have been there more than he's been in indiana since the primary election so i'll use this opportunity to talk about where people have been since the primary, and uh, Joe Donnelly's been right here uh, working uh, every day. He's back in Indiana, certainly. He's got to be in in Washington uh, in the Senate. Uh, But he is the hardest working person I've ever met. Uh, He has visited every county in this state uh, every year for the last four years. He focuses on things like uh, making sure our veterans, uh, after they come home, that they have access to uh, the appropriate services that they need to have uh, their next phase of life be one where they can thrive. He uh, is there protecting health care for millions and millions of people. He is uh, protecting working families through his work, even when he was in the house. Uh, and so uh, everything Joe Donnelly is doing is, is common sense oriented things that's the, uh, that are going to make a positive impact on the lives of people in Indiana. That's where the race is. He's hanging in well. Um, in the race as far as the state of the race goes is all the metrics that we talked about earlier for uh, volunteers and fundraising and campaign organization are going very, very well. Um, and certainly uh, no one is is denying it as a targeted race. Uh, and he is he is vulnerable. But uh, we knew that going in. He knew that going in. He's he's running a strong race. And I think he's going to be reelected in November.
4: How much more difficult does that make that when nationally there's a target on this race?
2: Well, I think it has its... Um, It's helps and it's... Uh, okay. and its uh, difficulties right certainly there's a lot of outside money that's 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 going to come in but uh, with that um, you get people who have increased focus on the on the race uh, nationally we've we uh, rely on um, on very heavily on the people of Indiana and and uh, staff and volunteers and all that but there are a lot of people around the country who want to help too and so when we're able to do that when there's more attention focused on the race we're able to see uh, the, the race be elevated and so we're going to keep focusing on making sure that we're, we're focusing on talking to voters in Indiana that we're calling them. We've had a staff on the ground since the spring. We've got more than two dozen field staff on the ground helping uh, Joe and our candidates down the ballot. So, certainly a a race, um, when it's nationalized, Sarah, uh, a lot of people think that will be the message gets nationalized. But I think uh, Joe is doing a good job of keeping things focused very much on on Hoosiers and not getting things sort of pulled back and nationalized like folks are trying to do in Washington.
0: Let's talk about the congressional races, too, because it seems to me that the race in the 9th District might be one of the targeted races, too.
2: Sure. Uh, Well, uh, Liz Watson, our nominee, had a good, uh, strong finish in the primary. Uh, Having worked in this district myself and living here, um, certainly it's on my mind a lot. Um, But it is competitive. Um, And so uh, up in the 2nd District, up near South Bend, uh, in the 2nd Congressional District and down here, those those are two that are strongly on the radar of folks uh, in Indiana and around the country, um, because we have uh, Liz... uh, Similarly, is just out working every day. She's doing everything she needs to do to put together a campaign, and and she's raising money. And that's uh, just um, as uh, gross as it is to talk about it sometimes. You have to raise money for a campaign. You've got to put the the campaign organization together. And Liz is doing all of those things. And so people are looking at her race as one that uh, that certainly is getting increasingly competitive as we move through the summer. Mm
4: -hmm. So uh, Donald Trump, I think this was the first state to be called for Donald Trump, wasn't it? And and certainly... um in the, prime, the GOP primary for Senate, it was a race to sort of see who could marry themselves to be the closest to Donald Trump. So I'm, I'm just wondering um, if that really resonates with voters. Is it is the Democratic Party then inclined to sort of become... But to to become closer to some of those ideals in order to attract those those voters
2: well I think we're going to focus you, on um, yeah with I mean President Trump's going to do what President Trump does right it's it's we're, we've got to stay razor focused on Indiana
4: but how and, much does that drive people to to vote in the Senate race here if they're, if we have a candidate who's saying I believe in the party of
2: Trump well I think uh, Joe Donnelly certainly is going to say that he's going to work with President Trump like he would with any other president when it's appropriate. When there's things that could be good, he's gotten some uh, legislation signed into law by the president because it was good. It was something good for Hoosiers. That may drive some folks. Sarah, there's 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 no doubt that that drives some enthusiasm among voters. But I think what we've seen since President Trump was elected is enthusiasm on the other side too. So I think there's a balance and an offset there. And I think. I always take this opportunity to remind people, if I may, that so much of what happens when we're talking about redistricting, for instance, and and uh, sort of when the rubber meets the road, literally it happens at the state houses. Congress, uh, you know a lot of people are focused on Congress. And I'll say we talked to a lot of people about their interest in running for Congress this year. but we've got to, make sure we're staying focused on local races and state races because so much of what impacts people's lives every single day happens at state houses and that's where districts are drawn when gerrymandering not in Congress and so we've got to make sure we're staying focused on the ground here and I think uh, President Trump again uh, and I don't, I'm don't, not trying to be flipped that he's going to do what he's going to do, he is and there's nobody that can control Donald Trump in Indiana um, not even Mike Pence and so I think we have to stay focused, make sure we're talking to voters, calling them Going to their doors, making them uh, understand, uh, helping them learn what Democrats here are for, from Joe Donnelly on down.
1: And, and can I can I just add? You know, from a legislative, a state legislative perspective, uh, what I'm seeing here as far as the you know what we call it the Trump effect. Well, the Trump effect is on our side of the aisle. It, it's energizing people. It's making Democrats energize. I'm reminding our candidates. So you're running for a state legislative. Uh, position, And so you need to be talking to voters about what you can do for the state of Indiana, and, and more particularly about your district in regards to the state of Indiana. And it's, so it's all, you know, polit- all politics, uh, they say, are local. And it does come back to what are you going to do as a state legislator for the people of your district. But I will say, tell you this, we've had more candidates come forward this cycle than we've had in uh, several cycles. And I think it's because they're energized. People are getting energized or concerned about what they see maybe on a national level. But I think it's going to translate to energy on a local level.
4: And Senator Landon, we've talked a lot about redistricting during this during this conversation. I, I want to get your thoughts on what the state should be doing.
1: Well, from, from the Senate Democratic side, uh, we have a spouse. I think going back to my predecessor's leader, uh, State Senator Vice Simpson from um, the Bloomington area, great uh, state senator. She talked about an independent uh, commission going back to her time in the Indiana Senate. And so the Senate Democrats have had bills for redistricting reform for literally decades. Uh, Like I mentioned previously, there was a two-year interim study committee on the issue of uh, redistricting. It was composed of both Democrats, Republicans, and lay members. And the recommendation of that uh, commission was uh, that we or that committee was that we should go to a uh, a a, some sort of a citizens uh, committee a a commission that would uh, one way or the other uh, be responsible for at least initially drawing the lines uh, suggesting the lines for uh, those districts uh, you know whether you, uh, you wouldn't have to amend the Indiana Constitution. You still would have those maps approved by the General Assembly, but there would be very limited action that the General Assembly could take on those suggested uh, reformed lines coming out of that uh, Citizens Commission, if you want to call it that. So that's what we've, uh, we-, we have advocated. There are other states, a number of other states, I think a dozen or so states, that have gone to these, these commissions. And uh, we think that helps take uh, uh, the politics out of it.
0: All right. Our phone numbers again are 812 in Bloomington or toll free at 1 877 285 9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at Indiana Public org. Uh, the the atmosphere uh, in national politics is sort of toxic, and a lot of the issues are bringing a lot of passion forward. So I know we want to stay, John. You you want to stay focused on local issues, but when things happen like the immigration issue that's mm-hmm. that's happening now, um, or even the the school shootings that you talked about, school safety, uh, Representative Gooden, the. The millennials seem to be organized, a lot of millennials around the school safety issue and the gun issue. You have a lot of women, I think, in particular. There are people of all kinds, but women in particular really have come forward on the, the issues, several different issues, including this immigration issue. How does that trickle down to the local?
2: Well, I think, um, you know, going back to our platform a little bit, Bob, and those five things I mentioned that Democrats are for, um, you know, we are... um the immigration issue of late that's been going on, I mean, that's this is a humanitarian issue, and certainly if you're someone who's mindful about uh, global politics and just issues in general, um, and you mentioned millennials, um, organizing around those issues, and then the, the question people ask is, well, what next? You're organizing, what are you doing? Are you organizing a rally? Are you organizing around a candidate? And so what we've seen is an incredible amount of energy since President Trump was elected. I mean, the very first rally i believe i went to prior following the 2016 election was the women's march in indiana went up to the state house that next day i went to the airport because there was a rally uh, concerning uh, you know the um, the issue of, um, of the Muslim ban, I think is what was called uh, more casually. Um, and then two weeks later was a rally to, to protect health care. And so those are certainly national issues, but they impact Indiana too. And so as um, as uh, human beings, you know, take away the party label for a second, I think um, those are values, uh, those are issues that people get involved in because they're passionate about them. Um, and so the question is where, where do you go next, and what do you do and organizing we 've seen that organize into action, and people getting involved in congressional races if they think their candidate reflects those values and, and people registering a voter because that voter could then vote for either a member of Congress or a person running for the state legislature or someone running locally because they have a local issue so whatever the issue having it seeing it being translated into action has been very, gratif- very gratifying over the last eighteen months. Mm-hmm.
4: We we got. I think this is maybe directed at you, Representative Gooden. Um, a question about decriminalizing drugs and if that could help the situation in Indiana.
3: Well, uh, <clears throat> we had a uh, bill a couple years ago. It actually became law as House Bill One Zero Zero Six that reclassified uh, our statutes and uh, laws concerning drug abuse and uh, some uh, issues with drugs. As we move forward, we're going to continue to be vigilant and try to figure out better ways to be able to handle situations when it comes to, to drugs. I don't know really what what the yeah. question is. criminalizing
4: marijuana, I think, in particular, and if that would help just the drug situation in Indiana.
3: Well, we, we've taken a huge uh, first step in Indiana, for Indiana, is uh, we talk about uh, legalizing uh, marijuana for medical use. We're going to have a summer study committee to talk about that this summer. Uh, We'll see what comes out of that summer study committee and uh, some ideas and thoughts as we move forward to try to figure out the best opportunity, the best action to take when it comes to the state of Indiana and the use of marijuana and specifically medical marijuana.
1: I, I might I just add uh, to what Terry said there, too, that, that this is another example of the minority party weighing in way before the majority party does, as, as uh, I think is probably well-known State Senator, Democratic State Senator Karen Tallian has been on the forefront of this issue of reasonable marijuana reform. Uh, she's had bills to uh, suggest we certainly ought to take a look at medical marijuana, but also uh, other reforms in that in that regard she's had trouble getting hearings on those uh, out of the uh, Republican Senate but uh, uh, there's another example of the role of a minority party is to uh, suggest things which which for whatever reason well in this case because you have a very conservative uh Republican party and, and certainly that's the case in the Indiana Senate uh you have to push them along You know, they didn't want to even legalize CBD oil until uh, this last session when it became abundantly apparent that there was no harm with the substance and it could help a lot of people.
0: What successes would you point to from the last
3: session? For the House Democratic Caucus, we had several uh, Mm -hmm. success stories. Bob, as we move forward, we want to talk about uh, making sure we got more funding our public schools, and that's one of those issues that when we talk about your successes aren't always known because we, we try to make bad bills or uh, terrible bills better, and that's that's where we have our input is try to be able to make sure that they always seem to come in at the minimum level. We're always able to try to figure out a way to make it better for individuals as it affects individuals and as we move forward. So we've had a lot of success, and probably the number one success, I'm going to re- repeat this again, is, is the DCS issue. There would be nothing going on right now, DCS. There wouldn't have been a study or anything. if It wouldn't have been for the House Democrats and the Senate Democrats talking about the problem with DCS, and we we consider that a huge victory from the last session. I,
1: I, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Uh, another success that I would point out too is that uh, we were finally we're finally going to have sexual harassment policies for the Indiana General Assembly, and uh, you know there was a bipartisan bill that came over from the House on that. But when I looked at that. I thought it was uh, wholly lacking in certain ways, and, and no, no disrespect to the House, uh, Leader, good. But we were able to take that bill and to, to make it, I think, a much stronger bill. And so now we are going to be engaging on actually having sexual harassment, uh, meaningful sexual harassment training and policies for the Indiana General Assembly. And I think that was by and large because of the Democrats.
0: What are the key issues you're you're hoping to uh, look at next session?
3: Well, absolutely, uh, Bob. Uh, one of the most important issues is, is going to be quality of life. And we got to make sure that uh, we continue to push for equal pay for equal work. It's ridiculous in the state of Indiana that if you're uh, of a different gender, you don't make as much money as the individual standing next to you on the same production line. We also got to talk about uh, making sure that every Hoosier in the state of Indiana, if they work a full-time job, they should not live in poverty. It's absolutely ridiculous for folks to be working a full-time job in the state of Indiana and still live in poverty. It seems as we move forward, uh, uh, Senator Landon may agree, and I know John uh, will agree as well, but it seems in the last decade, instead of having a war on poverty, we've had a true war on those people that live in poverty. And we've got to change that state, and we've, we've got to make it different in the state of Indiana because we can do much better for our people. Are you talking about looking at minimum wage? We've talked about looking at minimum wage, but I don't want to ever use the term minimum because minimum just means the minimum, right. just that that's the lowest. What we want to talk about is a living wage, and the, the living wage is what we want to push forward and, and make sure that we can happen, get happen. So here's the situation. We've got people Hoosiers are the hardest working people in, in the United States of America and probably the, the entire world. We've got people working longer hours, longer weeks for less pay. We have to fix that. We have to fix that.
1: It's, I would add quickly there, too, that it's a budget year, so we'll be pushing for expanded funding for early childhood education. We think that that's important. Of course, we'll be still talking about things like redistricting reform. Something we have to be, uh, I think, more concerned about than ever is a tax on health care. Uh, we've now seen the Republican Party basically take the position that they'd like to do away uh, with the preexisting uh, coverage. Uh, pre-existing condition coverage, which uh, is in the Affordable Care Act, uh, you know, they've filed lawsuits. We've we've got a, a Republican attorney generals filing lawsuits to strike that down. Well, one of the most important and really positive and popular uh, features of the Affordable Care Act. So I don't know exactly what we can do as a state legislature. Um, if we need to enact our own, you know, uh, protections for. Uh, the uh, pre-existing conditions, but um, you know, unfortunately, th- that's under attack here in the state of Indiana and throughout the country
3: as well. You know, Let me ask this question as well. I'm going to ask this to, to Bob and Sarah mm-hmm. as we move forward. Let's talk about education, as we said before, the largest rung on the socioeconomic ladder. Why is it that we're in 2018 and we are still a state that is looking at early childhood education as a pilot program? me that just makes no sense whatsoever and that's when we talk about really Indiana's doing the best that it can no Indiana's not we can do much better
0: well I you know I don't I don't usually answer questions on here but I will say that I have written editorials that have posed a similar question so I, I, write I think editorials. I'm on, yeah she didn't write editorials I do I'm on the record <laughs> it's something
4: that we've covered a lot just of right what now. Indiana has done and I think when I when I came to Indiana it wasn't even required that kids – all-day kindergarten wasn't even required. Still not. So it's a lot has changed just in my eight or nine years here. Right. So. Yeah. I, I want to ask about hate crimes this session and what are your plans? Is it going to come up again this year? Or are we not going to talk about it this session?
1: You know, it should come up, obviously. Uh, Senator Greg Taylor, that's been one of his uh, – he's championed that. I know Greg Porter on the House side, Terry. Yes. You, you can't help but be dis- a little discouraged because here we, get, we even move forward with what we think is bipartisan support for a hate crime. Take us off that list of only five states without it. And for whatever reason, it gets squelched when the, re- when the majority party gets its hands on it. We'll continue to fight for it. Uh, maybe this will be – Next, next year will be the year that we finally uh, have true, meaningful hate crime legislation. Uh, there's no excuse for it, absolutely no excuse for why we, we can't uh, adopt that legislation.
4: So you said it's even been, you've had bipartisan support. I mean, when you look at it, can you point to something that really is just a real sticking point that we can't seem to get anything passed? Because well, how many years now has it been in a row? That-
1: oh, it's, it's been five or six years, it seems like. and somebody somewhere seems to find some way to say we don't need it for whatever reason, that the judges can already do these things, Um, you know, to me it's just baffling that we're not able to pass this. Uh, We know we do need a hate crimes bill in this day and age, unfortunately, in the age of Trump. And... uh, we, so there's, there's really just no excuse, but for whatever reason, it seems to get uh, bottled up or squelched at the last minute. Uh, I know uh, Mike Delft in the Senate has opposed it and uh, has done his best to try to kill that legislation, and that's uh, unfortunate because uh, it truly would help us portray Indiana as being the welcoming state, which I think the people of the state of Indiana are welcoming.
2: Well, Anna, if I can jump in for just a second there, I think you know, these guys are right. And I think when you start to connect the dots, you know, today we've talked about millennials, we've talked about uh, people feeling safe and secure, we've talked about quality of life, Um, And we talked about the economy, and all these things fit together, and when you talk about the hate crimes issue, it's um, absolutely an issue of equality. Um, What kind of quality of life does someone have if they have to live in fear? And when we look at, you know, Sarah, you mentioned about bipartisan support. I was in one of the hearings for that bill when it was moving through session, and there were. There was a Republican mayor, and probably more, who was sending a letter saying, we need this in Indiana. We are one of five states. If we're going to attract companies like Amazon, we need to show and prove that we are, in fact, a welcoming state. We went through this when we dealt with the RIFRA crisis. If people are going to look at Indiana as a place they want to work, here's a great job in the state of Indiana, but I don't want to live there because they have these laws on the books that make me feel or someone I love not welcome, and we've got to change that. And this, is, this issue is so much more than one thing. It's, it's comprehensive, and, we're, and when we're connecting those dots on quality of life, we absolutely have to talk about everything in that context because it matters. No one should live in fear. Everyone should be able to live, work, and raise a family here.
0: We're down to our last 90 seconds, so if you've got uh, a 30-second sort of close for us. Um, Senator, what, what's your last last word?
1: Uh, the last word is that, uh, we want to move Indiana forward. That is the bottom line for uh, Democrats that can be done by doing some things we talked about, redistricting reform, adopting a, a hate crime uh, legislation, uh, tr- strongly supporting the rights of, uh, uh, of workers and uh, of all people to have a livable wage in the state of Indiana and uh, strong support for our public
3: schools all right representative Gooden. absolutely just to echo the uh, the sentiments there of senator Landon is we want to put make sure Indiana's a leader in the, in the right things in, in the nation it's quality of life good paying jobs great schools as we move forward Indiana needs to be the leader in that and not the follower. So I'm uh, making sure that we do everything we can in the Indiana House of Representatives to make Indiana great again. John, close us out.
2: <laughs> well, if I may make a plug, uh, these two are running for re-election. If you want to help them and all the other candidates running on the Democratic Party ticket, go to indemsorg slash join and sign up to volunteer. All right. Thank you for being here
0: today. That was John Zody, the chairman of the Indiana Democratic Party. And we've been also joined by Senator Tim Lannan on the phone. And Representative Terry Gooden is here in the studio with us for Producer Sophia Salaby and Becca Costello, Engineer Mike Pashkash and Sarah Whitmire. I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening.
5: Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org.
0: Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu. And Smithville Fiber, the GigaCity Company. Fiber internet, HD and digital IPTV in Southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.